What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome into our Friday edition of Final Whistle. And this is where we're going to start today. We are going to start with the end that it, of March Madness. It's going to be over. It's really difficult to see. It's going to be really difficult to process. And both the men's and women's tournaments have lived up to the hype. The women, they're actually tipping off right now as we speak with Stanford, South Carolina. And the second game is going to be Arizona, UConn. And then the men, they play tomorrow. Baylor-Houston in the first matchup. Then Gonzaga-UCLA in the nightcap. Championship games will be taking place for the women on Sunday. And the men will be taking place on Monday. So by the next Final Whistle podcast, the NCAA tournament will be over as we know it. So we're going to break down all four matchups. I'm going to give you my predictions. On the women's side, I pretty much had it pretty much straight up. And on the men's side, I've been completely wrong on about 95% of my predictions. So it's going to be really interesting to see. We'll talk about that. And then I'll give you a quick snippet of what my thoughts on the opening day of Major League Baseball. First, let's look at the women's game. Stanford versus South Carolina. I think it's going to be interesting to see. Stanford was able to pull off a regional final win with the latest example of how different players on that squad can do, can turn in a winning performance. I mean, Ashton Prechtel ended up coming off the bench scoring 16 points. And I think if you're really watching the Stanford Cardinals, if Russell Wilson's going to be there, I think they're going to play a little bit more motivated. He's been there since the, for the majority of the tournament, especially since the Sweet 16 down there in San Antonio, Texas. Um, but the reason to be concerned is that for the Cardinals, if they're not hitting their perimeter shooting, they are beatable. It's not even close, which with most teams it is. But in two, the, two of the four games they've shot poorly, they've lost. And uh, this earlier this week was a prime example. They had to rally in that second half against the Louisville Cardinals to pull off a dramatic comeback because they were down double digits. Louisville was dominant. They were pressuring the ball, turned, forcing them to turn the ball over. And that's going to be a significant part of how South Carolina is going to want to play because it's defense, defense, defense. They're going to be crowding that three-point line, forcing them to drive the ball, see if they can take tough twos instead of open threes. It's going to be really difficult. South Carolina has been holding teams to 34% shooting. That's phenomenal. That's, that is lights out defense. And the other night they held, uh, was it, I believe they played Texas to under 40 points. Just absolutely ridiculous. They had no answers. But concern, South Carolina is not one of the best perimeter shooting teams. They prefer to play bully ball in the paint. So will Stanford lay off of them and force them to shoot jump shots? I would presume. It's going to be really interesting to see how that matchup plays out because I think it's a tale of two things. One team relies on the three, and one team doesn't want to touch the three-point line. So in that retrospect, I'm going to have to go with the team that's got the better coach because I think it's a very even matchup with three out of the four one-seeds in this Final Four on the women's side. I'm taking the Cardinals. They've been the best team. Tara Vanderveer just won the coach of the year. She's been the best coach and hasn't really been close this year. 
what she's done with Stanford. They were the overall number one seed. I'm going to take them because I, I predicted it when the, when the tournament began. It was a rampage of a Stanford-UConn matchup was going to be taking place. I'm going to stick with my guns. That's what I have. So I'm going to take Stanford Cardinals. It's going to be a very tight game. By the time this podcast probably gets posted, the game will be over. So hopefully I'm right or hopefully I'm wrong. But let's jump to now the other matchup. You have UConn versus Arizona. The Huskies got away with one against Baylor. Was there a foul call at the end? Probably. But it doesn't get called because most of the time the refs do not want to change the game at the end of games. And then if they do change the game, you hear a retrospect. There is It's a lose-lose situation for the, for the referees down the stretch of games, especially in a tight game that UConn and Baylor produced. It was an absolute wonderful game to watch. Absolute slugfest, run after run, going back and forth, and ones all over defense, clutch shooting. It was an incredible game. But UConn, 13 consecutive Final Four. They know how to, they know what they're doing. They know how to win in this situation. They know how to get to the title game. They know how to win championships. And you have the GOAT in Gino Oriema. Kind of makes it simple. Then you have the player of the year in Paige Beckers. She is box office to watch. Box office. So if you have an opportunity to watch her tonight, do it. Because it's going to be must-see TV. And this one could get ugly. I'm going to be completely honest. UConn has been dominant against inferior opponents. The Arizona Wildcats have been on this improbable, improbable run. Excuse me. Ari McDonald, 5'6 senior, has been the best player in the regionals with a pair of 30-point games in the Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight. And she twi- uh, twisted her ankle in that Elite Eight matchup, and she still came back and got – couple clutch buckets down the stretch. So it's going to be really interesting to see. You're going to probably see McDonald. She's also the Pac-12 defensive player of the year, as well as the offensive player of the year. So you're going to see her lock, try and lock up Paige Beckers. That's going to be a very interesting matchup to watch, Beckers versus McDonald. I think it's going to be Beckers winning that matchup because they're going to end up winning the game because they have too much – talent around her because I don't think Beckers will have to really take over this game. I think the rest of the team will be dominant. And I think that's the issue on Arizona. It's McDonald or nothing in recent games. McDonald has accustomed to over 50% of their points in that last, in that uh, elite eight matchup. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that get, this game unfolds. I really do this, think this game could get ugly. So I've got Stanford versus UConn in my national title game on Sunday. I've been riding UConn since the beginning of the year. I love what the Stanford Cardinal can do. I think they're extremely good. Vanderveer has been an absolute phenomenal job with this team because I think their expectations were a little bit lower than people expected, and they've exceeded it by a long shot. They've exceeded my expectations. But I just, I can't go against the UConn Huskies. I can't do it. I really can't. I'm a Bay Area guy. I would love to take Stanford. I will probably be rooting for Stanford. It's not even close, but 
got to go with my mind over my heart. And it will be the Yukon Huskies cutting down the nets because they're going to force Stanford to take contested three-pointers. And they have struggled when teams have really tried to lock in defensively. I know. So, again, they could easily lose tonight against South Carolina. It's going to be a real dogfight. But I think they're going to pull somehow pull it off. But UConn can literally do it all. Score on the perimeter, score on the interior. They can pass. They can shoot. They can play defense. They're just an all-around squad. And I'm going to take the best player on the floor. It's going to be Paige Beckers. So she's going to be the best player on the floor. I think she's going to – especially I think she might be quiet tonight. She will show out on Sunday because, again, she – is box office. So the Yukon Huskies, I picked them from the start. They're going to be my national champion over the Stanford Cardinal. Let's jump to the men's side now, shall we? We have an old Southwest rivalry to start with the Houston Cougars versus the Baylor Bears. I mean, I've been completely wrong again, again about most of these teams throughout. I had Houston out, I believe, in my Sweet 16 to West Virginia. West Virginia couldn't even make it out of the second round, round of 32. The Baylor Bears, they're in the Final Four. I just didn't know what I was going to get, so I had them out to North Carolina. North Carolina didn't even make it past the first round with Wisconsin. And then Baylor's path pretty much got pretty simple after that. I mean, you played a Wisconsin team that really struggles to score. And you play Villanova without Colin Gillespie. And then you get a, a little bit of a surprise. So in, uh, in, it was a tougher matchup in the Elite Eight, but it wasn't enough for, for anybody to stop them. Baylor, it's simple. They have three guards that can really score the ball. Macy Oteague, Jared Butler, and uh, Davion Mitchell. And they can really defend with vital – Again, Butler and Mitchell as well. Mitchell's an absolute stud. He plays phenomenal on both sides of the ball. Then on the Houston Cougars side, they had the easiest path to get here. They have not played a quality team based off of the NCAA tournament standards. They haven't, they've faced a double-digit seed in every game so far. A 15, and they got a 10. Then you got an 11, and then you got a 12. It was very simplified. It became very easy for them. And it just makes everything that much more, a little bit, a little stress-free. I mean, the games were not, the games were close. They were tight games. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't know what you're going to see. The level of competition in Baylor from the teams they have faced is astronomical. Way that Houston can win. Pound the boards and pound the glass. You're one of the best rebounding teams for a reason. So go out there and act like it. Go out there, pound the boards, and you will be just fine. You'll have a chance. Is that being said, I think it's going to be Baylor. I'm taking the Baylor Bears. I think they're going to end up covering. I believe it's seven or eight points right now. I'll take Baylor. And on the other side, a David versus Goliath of a matchup. You've got Cinderella 
which is usually not what UCLA is called. They're usually the they're usually the Goliath here. But the first from first four to final four, the UCLA Bruins. Johnny Juzang, the Kentucky transfer, has been absolutely phenomenal. Been a stud. Gonna be really intriguing to see how he ends up playing, especially after he twisted his ankle and he didn't look the same coming back. So we'll see how that unfolds. Then you have, and on the other side in Gonzaga, you're unbeaten, you're 30 and 0, you're two wins away from history. 1976 is calling. Can you be the next team to do it? I think they are. They've been my pick from the start. They've been the best team, and it hasn't really been close. They've been dominant in this tournament. As I said earlier in the week, they made USC. USC came out on the floor and looked like they didn't belong and acted like they didn't think they belonged to be on the same court. There was that big of a gap. Just saying, will UCLA come in with that mentality? Or will they come in with their nothing-to-lose mentality? If they get blown out, they get blown out. If they're in the game, they really have a chance. They have guys that can create their own shot that take tough shots and have made tough shots in this tournament. That's why they're here. That's why they're able to beat Bama. That's why they're able to beat Michigan. They're able to make tough shots and clutch shots when it was needed in the in that moment. I mean, I'm taking Gonzaga. I don't think it'll be close. They haven't been in a single digit game since the West Virginia game. And I don't think that's gonna start now. I'm gonna take you the Gonzaga Bulldogs by double digits. Sorry, UCLA, hell of a run. You made March Madness worth it watching a double digit seed take it all the way to the final four last team to only other team to do that from first four to final four was the vcu rams they lost in the semifinal as well national championship gonzaga baylor and guess what this was the matchup that was supposed to take place in december but covid prevented it when they were both undefeated and we wanted to see how much of a gap there was because when we were coming to that matchup in December, we thought the gap was extremely significant. Then we were watching Baylor play. It looked like they were closing that gap a little bit more as the season was progressing. Then Baylor kind of limped in. Without, I, I don't take any credit away from that because it, they had a three-week COVID pause. I don't think they were able to really get back into the swing of things really until this NCAA tournament because they finally figured out their identity again. They were trying to figure out their rotations that they just didn't look like they were in sync. They were still trying to get their fitness back. I think that really hurt them. But you're going to get that championship that I think everyone wants. And I think it will be a very entertaining one half and then half of the second half. I think the game will be tight. And then I think Gonzaga pulls away late. I really do. It's going to be really interesting to see how Baylor will match up against these against these guys. Will they put Vital on Kispert? Because they usually go with the four guards and then Timmy plays the five. Or will Baylor go small? Will they put in Flagler to start 
and go with four defensive four guards and then probably vital at the five. Be really intriguing to see how that plays out. If I were Baylor, I would definitely go small. Match up. Put your four best defensive guards out there. And they're your four starting guards. You're in your rotation. So throw all four of them out there. And then you use Mayor as the one who gives them a blow every couple minutes. And you rotate them in and out. I think that's how you're going to have to do it. Because the Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell will probably have to play 48 minutes for you to have a legit, a legitimate chance. Because these Gonzaga guys will come at you again and again and again. And I think that wear and tear will finally catch up to Baylor with them running around and trying to keep up with the Gonzaga in the final 10 minutes of the second half. I don't know if Gonzaga will win by double digits. If I was going to lean away, I would say yes, because I think it'll probably be about six going down the stretch. And then you're fouling for free throws, and it will get up to double digits. So I think it'll be six or seven points, which is a tight game. But I think Gonzaga will end up finding ways. But I think it'll be a one- or two-possession game for a majority of it. And then Gonzaga will push it up to seven or eight. And then by that point, you foul, and then it get the ending score will probably be about 12. So I'm going to take Gonzaga by double digits. That's what I would do. Because I think they will win by double digits. Because I think they've just been that dominant. They've clearly been the best team in basketball. It really hasn't been much of a discussion about it. They came started the year at number one. And they really have pretty much solidified and even created more of a gap between the number one and number two teams in the country. And Baylor has been number two pretty much for 90% of the season. They've been the second best team in the country. So I'm going to lean that way. That's how I'm, I see it. I think it's going to be really intriguing to see. So I've got UConn and Gonzaga both cutting down the nets. And how ironic. That two lifelong friends, Paige Beckers and Jalen Suggs, will both be cutting down the nets. They grew up together, played on the AAU circuit. They've known each other really well, hung out a lot, both being from the state of Minnesota. I mean, just a feel-good story. And these two are going to be – I mean, Beckers will be the number one pick when she's allowed to leave. And Jalen Suggs, especially if he leaves after this year, He's, he's a top three pick, in my opinion. Arguably, he could be the number one pick. There's definitely a lot of discussion there for that. These two have all the tools. These two are absolute superstars. And the sky's the ceiling for these two. They could go down as two of the best players in there. And in, in the retrospect, Jalen Suggs could easily be a superstar in the NBA. And I... I'll put money on it. Paige Beckers will. She will be. I have no doubt in that. So that's really cool, though, too, that you're going to have two Beckers and Suggs. As, in my opinion, they'll both be national champs. All right, everyone, before I hop off here, I want to give my overall impression of opening day as well as the, go through the Nationals now have a fourth positive COVID, their series has been canceled with the Mets, or postponed, not canceled, excuse me. But really unfortunate to see that COVID has already struck Major League Baseball, and they, it was 
day one. All the other games, phenomenal. My overall takeaway was free baseball. There was so many games that went extra innings yesterday, and I loved every second of it. All the games were great. They were competitive. None of them were blowouts, really. I think the largest uh, win was three runs, and that was because they scored a couple runs late. I'm trying to think. it was. I think it was the Padres game. But all in all, very successful opening day. You know COVID was going to play a role in some retrospect or another, and it just ended up taking it away in day one. But great sense of games. Games are phenomenal. Of course, every team I freaking picked to win the division ended up pretty much losing yesterday, uh, except I think like the Angels won. That was because they were playing the White Sox, the, the two I picked to win their divisions res- respectively. But all in all, great start for MLB. I think the season's going to go well. It's going to be entertaining. I think this is probably the most even the league has been other than the Dodgers. It's going to be because there's the Dodgers, and then everyone else is fair game, in my opinion. I don't think there's much of a gap from the second-best team to, like, the sixth or seventh-best team. I have the Dodgers clearly as the best team because I don't think it's really even much of a debate. If you really want to argue with me, by all means, at me. But I don't think it's much of a debate. So I think it's going to be really intriguing to see how that plays out. But there's your Friday edition of Final Whistle. It was really short. I was supposed to have a guest on today. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. But major news that's going to be coming out. I got a major big-time interview coming out on Tuesday. So be on the lookout. So it's not going to be a breakdown of the national championship on Tuesday because I got a major interview from one of the people that makes a real impact in the NFL. Be ready for it. It's going to be great. Really honored and humbled to have that opportunity. I'm not going to spoil it yet, but be on the lookout. There's your Friday edition of Final Whistle, everybody. Enjoy your weekend.